Welcome to Occult of Personality, Esoteric Podcast Extraordinaire. I'm your host, Greg Kaminsky. In episode number 209, we're joined by Hermetic Magician, Alexander Herringhouse, who also is the proprietor of the Nettles Garden website at theoldcraft.com for a wonderful chat about his path of hermetic magic, the significance of his website, and much, much more. A Cult of Personality podcast is made possible by you, the listeners, and by the subscribers to chamberofreflection.com, our membership site, who aids us in the cause of informed, authentic, and accessible interviews about Western esotericism. Thank you again. Because of your support, we're able to bring you recordings of this caliber and many more to come. Anathema Publishing Limited. Quality occult books and contemporary esoterica. Established in 2011, Anathema Publishing aims to provide superior literature in content and form by creating a trinosophic relationship in Troth and Gabo between publisher, author, and reader. Anathema Publishing produces refined books for the true bibliophile on topics ranging from Gnosticism, traditional craft, alchemy, hermeticism, witchcraft, to Luciferian theosophy www.anathemapublishing.com Now, in episode number 209, an interview with Hermetic Magician and the creator of the website Nettles Garden at theoldcraft.com described as dedicated to witchcraft, hermetics, magic, and alchemy featuring the biographies of occult personalities, interviews, and articles written by practitioners for practitioners. You may recall that the oldcraft.com featured an interview with yours truly in September of 2020. During the course of that interview and over the following months, I've had extensive discussions with Alexander Herringhouse about Nettles Garden, his intention behind this website, the way he interviews practitioners, as well as talking in depth about his own path of hermetic magic. It was a real pleasure to have the time and space to conduct the pre-interview conversations and the interview itself, which occurred over the course of a few months and several recordings. That was one among many of the things I appreciated about Alexander. He has a definite aim and intention, but there was never any rush. The time we took allowed for us to become more comfortable, to share more, and to understand each other better. This in and of itself was a significant teaching for me on the nature of magic, time, and patience. Even though I've been doing interviews for this podcast for almost 20 years now, Alexander still taught me a lot about how I can still be better at it. And that was refreshing. And I 
Hope you enjoy this wonderful chat as much as we did. The intro music is Awakening by Paul Avgerinos, and the outro music is Paradigm Shift by Matt Vanden Heuvel. So, Alexander, I want to welcome you to Occult of Personality podcast. Thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to speak with you again, and I appreciate your time and willingness to discuss your esoteric path with us. Hi, Greg. Thank you for having me here. Nice to meet you again. So I want to begin by asking you how you became interested in the occult. Um, when did you get involved with it and sort of what it was that really sparked that interest? Well, um, I have been interested in uh, things like this probably all my life, as far as I can remember, yet uh, there's a certain point in time. So my childhood was uh, mostly normal. I was a normal kid, but I was always interested in uh, like mythology, things like this, and especially vampires, which were a uh, uh, favorite topic of mine since uh, elementary school, like first class even. And uh, when I was 12, I was reading a monography on vampires and there I stumbled upon the words black magic. And it was not really, it was not even important for this kind of book and uh, for the book itself. But in this moment, it, it was like, okay, yeah, sure, this is what I need. It was, it was like uh, I was sleeping or uh, I was doing something, had forgotten what I've done. And in this moment, I remembered everything and started to resume it. So in the next days, I went to the local library. I found a book which was also named in German uh, Black Magic. Uh, in English, it has, a, it, ha it has a more fitting name. I, I sense it's The Black Arts by uh, Richard Cavendish which is a very nice uh, overview on Western uh, esotericism, occultism, and classical magic. So uh, I started to read it, this book and take it from there. So I was interested in uh, more books of, of magic, uh, ritual magic. I was interested in Alistair Crowley, obviously. I read the Liber Al. I tried uh, my first uh, practical things. They were not big successes um, at that time. Uh, I tried to meditate and um, well, things developed from there, but uh, probably I was uh, only four, uh, already 14 when I got uh, my first uh, real magical curriculum, uh, it was uh, Dolores Ashcroft Novicki, Magical Rituals, or the Magical Ritual Workbook. It's a very nice book. I like it uh, as an introduction into the Western uh, magical tradition. So it's like a one-year program and uh, with different meditation rituals and uh, gradually developing skills in this area. On the other hand, um, this was a great book which uh, sparkled my interest quite a lot. But uh, I was only uh, I was sixteen when I really started to practice seriously every day, like uh, two to four hours. And uh, at this time, I was uh, starting to uh, focus more on uh, Franz Bardon. 
um, rather than ritual magic. Uh, at first, for really practical reasons, uh, I lived with my parents. I had my uh, children room, of course, but um, I had no real space for a dedicated temple. I could use it such, and uh, so ritual magic uh, was not uh, necessarily so easy to do. Um, and here uh, I sensed uh, the meditations or uh, the magical program uh, as by Franz Baden, for example, uh, was uh, much more at the ready. Nowadays, I even find this much better. I uh, don't, I'm not really into ritual magic and uh, ropes and all this stuff. I consider uh, it best to do everything uh, just with your mind. It does not mean that I don't do ritual at all, but um, I think it's a very good idea if you can work without tools. Thank you. Uh, that's really interesting to hear and not the way I expected you to end that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> so can you, let's, let's explore that just for a moment. Um, what it, what is that about the, um, this sort of, preference that you have i'm not sure if it's a preference or not well for me it probably is i just got used to it um but um well uh if you ask me what i'm doing i'm doing classical western hermetics so um and for me franz Bardon is uh, the best known example or uh, in this direction right this is why i'm uh telling about him. When I was 18, I, uh, I found my uh, personal teacher and I learned a lot uh, from him. So I'm not practicing uh, right now and uh, since then the classical Baden system, but uh, from everything which is known, this is probably the most, uh, uh, the most uh, appropriate or uh, nearest uh, system. So on the one hand, you have the classical hermetic worldview. You find it already with Agrippa. You find uh, parts of it with uh, Pico della Mirandola. You find it with uh, Abraham from Worms, a lot of things. You find it uh, partly in the scriptures of the Rosicrucians. And uh, you find it later, obviously, in uh, German occultism or uh, also the English-speaking occultism. Like you have the four elements, the seven planets, and uh, so on, uh, so, uh, a lot of spirits to work with. Uh, on the other hand, um, there's a really nice uh, program, how to develop magical skills. And um, it's universal because it's not tied to a certain religion or anything, which uh, is very nice, in my opinion. So it uh, is open for everyone to practice whether you are uh, religious or not religious at all. I, for example, I'm from a family where religion played no role at all. My mother read a lot, uh, or both my parents, but my mother especially had a lot of uh, books on mythology, like Greek and uh, especially uh, Egypt and uh, Northern mythology. So these were things I read as a child out of pleasure, um, but otherwise uh, with organized religion or especially Christianity, I had uh, I had no contact except for school and uh, I did not like it. I don't like it until today. So um, for me, uh, this universal system, for example, is uh, much more appealing than uh, 
Rosicrucian things or the Golden Dawn, which uh, at the end of the day is uh, still full with uh, Christian symbolism. You can strip it from there. I know a lot of practitioners who do it and uh, who don't have any problem with this, who are also not Christian, but and uh, can practice this very well. But for me, uh, for example, uh, it was very nice uh, to have a universal system which does not make any religious uh, references at all. So, um, and the same for rituals. So the Baton system is uh, you can develop your own rituals over time and you will obviously do it. But uh, the thing you are uh, you are working with the most is your uh, consciousness. So, and um, for me, this is a big plus. Thank you. Yeah, that just really, really interesting. I can certainly appreciate the sort of um, non-religious tradition um, that the Barden system uses and engaging with that more um, mystical aspect of Hermetis, um, I think is certainly appreciated by me and I'm sure people listening as well. Yeah, that, that's really fascinating. And I know in the second half of this interview, we'll talk more about your interest in boredom for sure. Um, I guess if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a bit about your project, Nettles Garden, The Old Craft, at theoldcraft.com, which um, is really a wonderful resource and place to explore uh, interviews with uh, occult practitioners, researchers, teachers. Um, there's a lot of interesting articles that you've written and I feel like uh, it's unique and it's, I, I guess what I'd like to say about it is I feel like when I visit your website, not only am I getting really in-depth information and knowledge, but I'm also get the feeling of like being transported back in time slightly to a kinder, friendlier worldwide web where things were more open and uh, I don't know, it felt like each website was a little environment where you would go and kind of inhabit that place for a while and it had its own feeling and that's what you've got there. And um, I feel like in a lot of ways we've lost that with the web, but um, anyway, tell us about the old craft well, uh, thank you for your nice words. It's uh, it's pleasant to hear this. And uh, this kind of feeling you describe is actually the feeling this project uh, should, um, should also transmit, not only for the readers, but also for me. Um, it started by, uh, by chance, completely by chance. So at uh, first it was named Nettle, Nettle's Garden. Why Nettle's Garden? Because uh, this is how it started, by chance. Um, I got a friend for over 20 years. Uh, she's an artist uh, from Mexico. And then uh, some, I don't know, six or seven years ago, she uh, became interested in 
craft, like uh, working with hands, not only painting, and uh, especially doll making. And uh, one day, like uh, four or five years ago, I um, checked my social media and I see some photos of a witch doll, which looks just amazing. It looks like nearly real and, uh, well, just like a witch should look like, but completely unique. And uh, I was just, okay, I want this doll. I write to her, please sell me this doll. I want this. And um, she said, okay, sure. Um, but um, it's yours. But uh, when it arrives at, in Moscow, send me a picture with uh, the witch doll on uh, on uh, the red square. Okay, deal done. <laughs> the witch doll arrives, uh, and, and the witch doll she she looked like real a little bit, like there was life to it. And I say, okay, cool. I take her to the uh, to the red square make some pictures there, make some pictures at the Basilica, and they turn out really nice. I share them with my friend, and we decide, okay, let's put them on Instagram. So we put some pictures on Instagram. People start to like them, or not people, occultists, and mostly witches, obviously. Um, so they start to like them. And uh, I was thinking, okay, okay, cool, I like this. Um, let's make more of this. Uh, because of my uh, because of my profession or my lifestyle, I travel a lot. I fly a lot, or at least used to fly a lot before Corona. Um, so I take uh, the witch doll in several places, make pictures with her in nice environments, different environments, um, and um, start to post them on Instagram together with some parts of the Edda. For me, this was a nice activity to. Uh, in, during my day job, obviously I practice every day, but uh, I'm a solitary practitioner uh, and always have been. And um, it was a nice way for me to connect every day a little bit uh, with uh, other occultists. So um, the Instagram channel was uh, mostly about this. It's some point of time, I thought, okay, cool, uh, maybe it would be nice also to make a blog. Um, meanwhile, some witches invited me into their witch channels, and uh, I start talking to different people, uh, which reminded me, by the way, of my first job. When I was 16, I was uh, starting to work in an occult library uh, or in a bookshop, bookshop in, uh, in our city. So... Uh, we were serving a large region and I was uh, getting to know magicians, occultists, esotericists, uh, Buddhists or otherwise spiritual people and witches uh, from all over the area. It helped me also to um, connect with people from other parts of Germany because I just uh, could call them uh, from work and uh, if they were uh, somehow like having their own publishing house or so. There were several forms of interaction. And uh, I was working there for like uh, three or four years. I enjoyed this very much, this area, uh, and uh, this kind of uh, contact with all these interesting people. And um, later, when I was uh, moving to Frankfurt, I was uh, very often visiting Walter Englund, 
in his uh, famous bookshop Occulta. Walter Engler was a, the, was a direct student of Gregorius, the uh, great master of the Fraternita Saturni, probably Germany's most uh, important or uh, well-known magical order. And uh, he was himself uh, the leader of the German OTO over the Reusslinie line. I was uh, never involved in any kind of group, uh, but uh, we were good friends. I was visiting him there very often, like uh, nearly every weekend. And uh, Fridays, Saturdays, we were just sitting there chatting uh, and meeting other interesting people. Talking about uh, old times, well, he obviously more than me. I was more talk talking about the new time. So uh, there, there were places where you could meet and where people meet and met. Um, then there came the time when Amazon came. Amazon uh, closed a lot of bookshops. And um, those places uh, got uh, less and less Unfortunately, and um, for me, this uh, thing with uh, the social media and uh, later with the website was that I, that I was looking for me at least a little bit uh, for a way to reconnect uh, with other people interested in the cult in a way which is uh, on the one hand uh, educational, meaningful, but uh, maybe also socially interesting and transmit uh, this feeling of. Uh, a personal touch, being connected, being part of something, uh, maybe not being alone on the way or having somebody uh, you can uh, talk to when uh, uh, on your way uh, when you just want to know more. So uh, I was uh, like some years ago, I don't know, even know, uh, I think three years ago, I was opening the website and the first name was also Nettles Garden. Uh, I, it was sort of like the witch is there, uh, the main point, because uh, obviously in, on the Instagram channel, the witch was the only important uh, figure. And uh, so the website should start also around her image. However, on the other hand, I'm not a witch. Um, I never practiced witchcraft, even though I had a lot of friends or have a lot of friends which do. I uh, I also like the witches. They are uh, very nice people to me. Um, but on the other hand, I, I'm not good to, to write about witchcraft. And it soon turned out um, that uh, the things I can write about, uh, well, are hermetics. Hermetics and magic. And um, after some time, this started to become an important audience. Witchcraft is also important. We had other, we had certain people writing there about witchcraft occasionally. Um, I still have and had interviews recently with uh, the Museum of Witchcraft and Magic, uh, with the people from uh, Troy Books, which is a publishing house from the UK, which I appreciate a lot, um, practically or mostly publish a witchcraft or what they call traditional witchcraft. They started a musical project, which is very nice and which I like a lot um, more Warren. I hope I pronounced it right. So I had an interview with them, uh, like uh, occult art. And uh, so witchcraft will remain important, but I thought, uh, okay, uh, it's not only about witchcraft, it's about hermetics, it's about alchemy, it's... Uh, It's about magic in general, and um, so we need uh, to find uh, 
different uh, angle to it or a new name for it. And this is why I started like uh, one year or two, two years ago to rename it into theoldcraft.com because I feel uh, this is a kind of name most people uh, interested in the occult can connect with. It's uh, fitting for, even for Masons probably, it's fitting, it's fitting for the witches, it's fitting for the ritual magicians. So um, this is uh, how we, how I renamed uh, the blog. Yeah, that that makes sense, and I certainly appreciate the sort of journey that uh, you took to create it, and also the sort of uh, interest in witchcraft, but not being from a practitioner's perspective, because I, I feel like I share that on some level with you, not personally, of course, but um, I have that same interest. Um, I worked in a couple of different witch shops in Salem, and I definitely uh, felt that um, sort of interest in the connection with nature, the seasons, the cycles, the use of uh, all sorts of natural substances and um, a perspective that was, you know, really quite um, engaging, I think. Um, But I I really do appreciate your website. And, um, you know, even as I was thinking about it the other day and going through some of the um, different interviews it is wide ranging and I like the fact that, you know, there's a variety of different types of practices and perspectives that are offered. And I've, you know, tried to do something similar. Um, but uh, I'm curious what you think of as some of your favorite uh, interviews on the site and um, not to put you on the spot too much, but uh, for me personally, um, I'd have to say your recent interview with Daniel Hornfisher about alchemy was probably my favorite just because the subject is so close. But um, I'm curious uh, what some of your favorites have been. Well, it's hard for me to pick a favorite because uh, all interviews which are there are, have something I like a lot. This is why they are there. Having said this, um, the website was not in this fi- in its final f- form from day one, and uh, it probably is not in its final form. I had very few time in the last uh, in the last uh, two two and a half three years uh, to work on it so uh, we don't see many updates right now but we i hopefully in like uh, the next year the situation will change a little bit so i'm very busy with my day job and uh, i also became a father this takes a lot of time and uh, energy but it's very nice um, but getting back to your question so at the beginning we had not only interviews um I had uh, also a lot of articles, so articles on occult personalities is something I like a lot. 
uh, to do. And here uh, there are two articles uh, which uh, for me are um, like a standard I want to see uh, in the future. This is, uh, on the one hand, the article on Alistair Crowley's uh, Liber Alvelegis, which uh, turned out quite nice in my opinion, and uh, the other one is on Florence Farr. Um, so it's a bio- biography of uh, Florence Farr, the Golden Dawn magician. Those two are articles where I say, okay, they turn really out nicely. This is a standard uh, I want to see on this website in the future and uh, to maintain. Uh, I also had some uh, shorter things like occult art. For example, we have here uh, the first Valpurgis Night, uh, a cantata by Felix Mendelssohn, Bartholdi, and uh, a poem by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. So it's not really written by me, just an introduction and uh, put there into context, uh, which is, uh, I think, also nice. But um, then... I started to create uh, also more interviews. And here uh, I liked all interviews, including the interview with you. And um, I always uh, chose uh, my interview partner um, after the question, okay, what is there to learn? What would I like to know uh, additional to all the information I already got? So uh, the People I interviewed usually are people uh, I have read their books, if they have, or I I know their work, I'm familiar with them, but I still have questions and I think uh, it makes sense uh, to have a conversation about what they are doing. And uh, Daniel Hornfischer here is a a great example. Uh, So Daniel Hornfischer is an alchemist, a German alchemist who published, I think, uh, like, over 20 years ago, a book on alchemy, which was sold out in no time and uh, is now selling for crazy prices, like 300, 400 euros or so um, to get. It's probably also the only esoteric book ever to receive a Goethe Prize. Um, And... um, it's, it's a unique doorway to alchemy. Alchemy for me personally uh, for a long time has been a hard topic. It, uh, I, I'm well versed in uh, magic, uh, Kabbalah and all this, but uh, with alchemy it was always a little bit hard for me to find the address. Uh, symbolism is uh, somehow very similar, but somehow very different at the beginning and uh, overall very confusing. And Daniel Hornfischer just uh, gives a short introduction to alchemy in his book, and then he always takes old classical texts and uh, reads them with you and makes you to understand these old original texts. Uh, and shows you uh, already in the first uh, uh, in the first hundred pages of the book how to make your first alchemical works, and uh, takes you through the book uh, to a more complex alchemical work, um, including always maintaining this unique style of uh, all text explanation and uh, hints to go further with own practice. So I think so uh, it would be really interesting to have an interview with him. He was very open to it. And uh, the interview is probably also very good because he really wanted to share something. So he put a lot of effort in the interview. Um, 
we were working on the interview uh, not in one day, but uh, in on many days. The whole process was uh, taking several weeks uh, with our conversations and back and forth. And um, so it's uh, one of the interviews uh, I'm very happy about and where I feel okay. Uh, uh, Daniel Hornfischer is really trying, uh, or in my opinion, not only trying, but successfully in transmitting something of his knowledge uh, through this interview. So uh, this is definitely a good thing. Um, the interview with Vilma Tarr on the Gnome Manuscript, uh, it was uh, just interesting for me. Um, so it was out of curiosity. And um, I think it's an interesting work uh, as a kind of historian he's doing there. Um, he puts a lot of love into his books and uh, it was interesting uh, seeing him at the book lounge. So uh, it came ha in handy to make an interview with him here. Um, we have this interview uh, or had this interview recently with Simon Costin, the director of the Museum of Witchcraft and Magic, uh, who tells a lot about the history of the museum. You can obviously read a lot about the history of the museum, and I did this before. So uh, I tried uh, actually in the interview to make a short summary of the history and then to go into questions which I have afterwards, or which I seem interesting. Also, uh, I find the museum very interesting as one of those places where you can go and uh, I want to go there it was actually planned for uh, last year but Corona made some um, made some changes to this plan so uh, hopefully uh, at the end of this year or uh, at least next year uh, this will happen but um I've met him before uh, also on the book lounge party from Wilmatar um and uh, then we re-met uh, for the interview. So it was really nice to uh, to learn more about the work with uh, this witchcraft and magic museum, the plans for the future, how can you support it, also how you can benefit from it. They have, for example, a library where you can, uh, I think they have over 6,000 books on magic and occultism. So, uh, and they have obviously a great setting. So... And uh, more Warren, uh, Music for the Devil is uh, the last interview we had. It's with uh, uh, Gemma Gary, which is an author on traditional witchcraft, quite popular from the UK, Anna Dowling and Jane Cox. Jane Cox is a publisher at Troy Books together with Gemma, and uh, Anna is new uh, to the whole setup. So they made a band and uh, put some invocations uh, from... Gamma Gary's work, uh, The Devil's Dozen, uh, into music, which is fascinating. I love this music a lot. Uh, my newborn daughter grew up <laughs> listening to uh, some of those pieces every evening. Uh, she likes it at uh, uh, the music uh, going to sleep and uh, nice dreaming. And uh, I found it beneficial uh, or interesting for other people to get aware of this project. So, and uh, obviously there's this interview with you, which uh, was also very interesting. Uh, I mean, we had uh, several talks before and even after the interview. And uh, as I said, it's uh, something I want to, I wanted to, for me at least, uh, 
but also for the readers to recreate with this website or this blog this feeling uh, there are people who have uh, interesting things to say. You can talk to them, you can meet them, and they are sharing a little bit of their knowledge. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, the process that you used and being able to have such in-depth conversations and explorations of these ideas. It was really different and refreshing. I mean, I interview people and even my interview process is nowhere near as in-depth and expansive as yours is. So, you know, from one interview, uh, one interviewer to another, I have a lot of respect for the way that you do this because I know that it takes a tremendous amount of patience and discipline and, you know, it, at least for our interview, like we must have spoken half dozen times or communicated by email. Um, and by the time we were finished with the interview and the conversations, I felt like I had gotten to know you a little bit and, uh, and here we are talking again. And this is not the first time we've talked since then, of course. So, uh, I think it's, it was really interesting and, uh, I appreciated the opportunity because, uh, I think what you've done and what you're doing is really quite rare, even in this realm. Well, I'm glad you say this, and uh, I hope uh, in the future I will have more time for it. Um, but we'll see. Yes, yes. I definitely have some plans uh, on uh, what interviews I want to take next or uh, what to write about next. So, But uh, if, if I'm managing to do two this year, I will be happy. I can definitely understand that. I, I'm wondering, and I think you've you've kind of touched on this already, but um, it sounds like from the combination of your esoteric practices, your interactions with other practitioners, and creating the website, you know, not only do are you continually striving for ever greater growth and success, you know, in your spiritual life, but also obviously in your career, in your family life. And it seems like um, this is something that is uh, not something that is, uh, you know, just occurring by chance. You've made it habitual. Is that right? Probably. Yes. <laughs> um, this was a growth was always important for me and uh, is probably also one of the biggest motivators behind all this. Um, at the end of the day, if you put a lot of time and effort in something, uh, there should also be a question, why are you doing this? And uh, for me, magic, okay, I, I just felt drawn to it. It was like uh, just natural for me to do it and unnatural not to do it but still I always uh, ask myself the question why I'm doing this what is this good for uh, the answers uh, maybe changed also over the course of time 
And uh, but uh, and there's always uh, probably for most uh, this uh, moment when uh, the difference between magic, mysticism, or spirituality blurs, <laughs> and everything becomes becomes just one. But I think it's not only this. Uh, also, personal life, family, career uh, becomes also part of all this. It's all one. I don't feel a difference between all these aspects of life. It's a way of uh, approaching to it. And um, if we come back to the website, I have seen in the last years, uh, I don't know if it's a really trend, if it's a trend or if I'm, if it's just me uh, who just read a little bit uh, much in this direction, but it seems to me that there's a trend like uh, to have uh, to get to academic standards when writing about occultism and uh, to give it an academic touch. Obviously, uh, I'm an academic uh, myself. I was at university not only once, but uh, several times, and I have several degrees. On the other hand, uh, for me, I don't find uh, this academic approach to occultism fruitful um, for several reasons. Uh, first, uh, academic working or science is mostly a method. It's not that it's, uh, that it's about reliability, replicable or anything. Science and scientific working is about uh, a certain method. And this method uh, means that you share your way of working, your results, and uh, all, uh, all your presumption, your hypothesis openly. Um, but it's nearly impossible in the occult uh, or if writing about occultists, other occultists, to work like this because um, occult books, they are full of uh, obscure things. They are also are leaving out intentionally important things, changing the order of things, uh, don't mention things, mention things which don't belong there just <laughs> to confuse uh, the reader. And... Um, or the reader who is not capable to grasp a certain phenomena, but uh, still talk to those who can sort things out by themselves. Um, they, uh, they don't write down everything which is important. They maybe even burn their manuscripts and uh, things like this. So it's really hard here to have a, a sensible academic approach uh, to a subject uh, which is like this. This is uh, why I decided for the website, okay, personally, uh, I think it's important to uh, work scientifically where you can and uh, where this makes sense. But uh, for uh, the website, I'm focusing here on uh, the feeling, on uh, uh, transferring uh, knowledge for practitioners, uh, or from practitioners for other practitioners and uh, leave all other questions out. So this was uh, for me an important decision regarding this website. And uh, maybe this is also something uh, you are feeling when you're interacting with it. I think so. I'm just mindful of our time here, but I'm curious uh, if this is just sort of a, non-personal question, but, um, do you, 
have any insights or opinions about the ways that um, that it's it seems like to me having been involved in esoteric activities for I don't know closing in on two decades I guess which for some people is not a long time but um, it seems like when I first sort of became aware uh, there was more a uh, spirit of community and acceptance of people's differences, um, whether those were inherent differences or whether those were just opinions and beliefs that people held. Um, but over time that seems to be changing where people seem less tolerant of differences and, uh, it, this seems to actually be affecting relations within uh, the esoteric community or communities, as it were. And I'm wondering, you know, do you have any thoughts about this or do you notice this or, you know, maybe you disagree completely. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are. It's definitely a trend I I see myself, uh, but not only in esoteric com communities. I see it like uh, everywhere in society and also globally. Um, or, I mean, global uh, means a lot. I'm not that global, but uh, in several countries of Europe, like Western Europe and um Eastern Europe, I see the same. And uh, interestingly, Eastern Europe is here uh, catching up very fast and becoming uh, also judgmental, as I, I call it often, or uh, more political or otherwise correct, if you want to take it like this. So it's a general trend I see everywhere in society and uh, probably it's just grasping over. Sometimes it's not bad because some of those things are good, uh, but oftentimes I feel like uh, things are going overboard and uh, people are taking things way too serious and uh, and uh, are actually damaging uh, personal relationships rather than helping them. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess from my perspective, what I observe is... Um, a decrease in kindness and compassion. And that is like across the board. It's, I'm not saying there's any one group or one persuasion uh, that does this. I feel like it is uh, escalating. And I, you know, I, I don't want to assign blame or anything because uh, I don't, I'm not sure that's really helpful and not what I'm trying to talk about specifically, but, um, you know, I just would like and, uh, to see people being more considerate or kind or compassionate, uh, to one another and to themselves. Um, and really to me, that's part of what esoteric practice is all about, but, um, you know, in conversations with you, I feel like your practice has certainly made uh, you into that sort of a person if you weren't already. 
Well, uh, my practice definitely helped with it. I also had a lot of good uh, role models in my life. And uh, many of them I met on my esoteric path, which is, uh, which is like this. So uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, things are falling here together. Normal life, esoteric life, start at some point, it should start to blur. Yes. Uh, and to fall together. Uh, so. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any uh, final thoughts or advice or um, anything you want to leave the listeners with uh, regarding your own spiritual path, uh, your website, Nettles Garden, the old craft, or um, any future projects you might have? Well, for the future, I definitely want um, to work on more on the website. Uh, so even if it will not be necessarily this year or the next year, uh, for the future, I still plan to do something there and uh, maybe also to share a little bit of uh, what I have done. Uh, at the moment, I don't feel uh, like uh, I want to actively share a certain thing or be a teacher for something or a pastor or so. Uh, this is uh, not what I have in mind, but um, um, I would uh, definitely to get uh, more involved uh, in this kind of uh, work, uh, getting different kind of knowledge uh, together, connecting people in this regard or making uh, knowledge accessible from practitioners for other practitioners. Um, I think in the second part of the interview, we are talking about practical things. Uh, there will be some advice for practitioners or uh, how I have done or seen things. There will be some book recommendations and um, we can take it from there. Certainly. Yeah. Thank you. And yes, in that second half of the interview, we will be getting into some very practical advice, talking a lot about um, Franz Bardon and his work and how you have worked with his system quite extensively. And um, for me, that's a real treat because uh, you give us some real insight into how the Barden system is really just so effective, I think. Um, and I, I'm very certain that people will appreciate that a lot. I know I did. Um, so I hope people will tune in for that uh, in the Chamber of Reflection or at the Occult of Personality Patreon. Um, so, Alexander, I want to thank you again for joining us here on the podcast. It's great to speak with you and get um, some insight into your journey as well as your website. Again, Nettles Garden, The Old Craft, at theoldcraft.com. Really, I have to say, one of my favorite, if not favorite um, occult websites at this point in time. So I'm looking forward to uh, new material. But uh, until then, you have such a wealth of uh, articles and interviews here that uh, anyone will be kept busy for uh, a long time. So I would encourage people to check out your website and uh, indulge themselves 
So thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. Yes, you as well. Alexander Herringhouse has been studying the occult, hermeticism, and ceremonial magic for many, many years. Alexander's esoteric practice has taken a prominent place in his life, so much so that he accomplished working through Franz Bardon's initiation into hermetics. Herringhouse shares his experiences and insights into this path with us in a very special second half of the interview, available to members of the Chamber of Reflection at chamberofreflection.com and our patrons at patreon.com slash occult of personality. Be sure to listen to that amazing interview. I'd like to remind you that although you're able to listen to this podcast at no charge, it costs time and money to create. We ask you to support our efforts and the creation of future podcasts by joining the membership section at chamberofreflection.com or subscribing via Patreon at patreon.com slash occult of personality. And if you're already supporting the show or have done so in the past, my heartfelt thanks, and I salute you.